Hey everyone, my name is Pilar. I am a co-host on Conversations with Coco and Friends. We're on a bit of a show break right now, but that doesn't mean that there aren't episodes for you to listen to. This week, I'm so excited to recommend our episode with Drew Pirouette, founder of Broken Brain Podcast. This episode is literally a breath of fresh air. We talk about what it's like to make friends as an adult, the art and challenges that come with showing up as your best self, and the importance of resetting between appointments, activities, when we all have these crazy back-to-back schedules. Trust me, you will feel instant enlightenment after listening to this episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I walked in super nervous to this recording. Drew is the host of a very popular podcast called Broken Brain. But more importantly, he's incredibly intelligent. There's just something about smart people. You'll be able to tell when listening to this podcast that I'm more quiet than usual and trip on my words even more often. Drew was gracious enough to allow us to record in his podcast studio in Santa Monica. And even though I was so nervous, there was something about this moment that made me feel so energized. I was so inspired. And there was excitement for what was to come with our podcast. Drew is one of those special beings that makes you want to be better. Just by listening to him, you somehow feel a little bit more clear. That just by way of being around him, you are one step closer to being a higher version of yourself. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. And be sure to check out our blog for links to the amazing resources that Drew mentions throughout. Enjoy. Another day, another sleigh. Today should be lots of fun. We have some more male energy in the room with conversations with Coco and friends, actually. Y'all know I am here for this. Drew, we are so thrilled to have you here with us today. Drew helps people get healthy and feel good. Can we get an amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) So Drew is a partner and CEO at Dr. Hyman Enterprises, the co-founder of the Clean Program, and on the leadership team of the Ultra Wellness Center. And today he's talking with us about relationships, friendships, and the tough stuff that actually makes us better humans. Drew, have you always been an entrepreneur? Can you tell us a little bit about how you become the expert you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. You know what is interesting? I was not always an entrepreneur, but I always liked creating things and I liked working on projects with my friends. So when I was in high school... I started to first get into web design. And when I got into college, I realized that regular university wasn't probably going to be my thing, (laughs) even though I'd always gotten straight A's. I just thought, what's the point of this? And is it going to really lead me close to my goals? So at the time, I graduated uh, high school in the year 2000. I started 
reading and I learned that there was this thing called an entrepreneur and nobody was talking about it. entrepreneur main you just you didn't know what you're going to do and you didn't have a job. <laughs> so nobody was talking about it and it wasn't a big thing. Yes, there were some special occasions of like people would say like Bill Gates or this other person, but it wasn't a regular thing in the lexicon. So as I started to explore it, I realized that if I want to find a way and an excuse to spend more time with the people that I actually care about, build things with my friends, have fun, make money in the process, maybe I should try being an entrepreneur. So I made the pivot into entrepreneurship in uh, university and I started my first company um, then. So I always had a passion for health and I always had this passion for web, e-commerce, design, programming. So I combined the two and I never looked back. I mean, I think you're speaking to our souls when you're like, we want to have fun and work with our friends. We're like, yeah, we like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually possible in this day and age. And you guys, you ladies are doing it, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. We spent eight hours every day, like working on stuff, doing things. And we spend so such a huge percentage of our life in work. You know, the thing is like, I was born in Nairobi, Kenya. My family's fourth generation Kenyan. And my parents, you know, very unique thing is my dad always said, look, I'm not going to let you drop out of school. You have to go to school and just finish and then do whatever you want to do. And where he was coming from was when I was on the day I was born, August 1st, 1982, there was a coup attempt in Kenya. The army tried to take over the president. And my dad had just dropped off my mom to the hospital. And my mom was there getting settled in. Back, back in the day, the men really wouldn't stay at the hospital. There was no waiting room for them. They would be encouraged to go home. Once the baby's born, then you come back. That was kind of the system before things changed for the better. So they sent my dad home. And my dad went home. He fell asleep. He woke up in the middle of the night just to like check in and call the hospital. My mom The phone wasn't working. He picked up the phone. It's dead. He turned on the radio. He put on BBC. And basically, it's like reggae music playing. And it's all the rebels who had taken over the the radio station and other stuff. And they're like, the city is like under siege. Like, everybody's staying in their home. We've installed a curfew. And my dad's like freaking the fuck out. Because like, am I cursing this podcast? Yes. Heck yeah. My dad's (laughs) freaking the fuck out. Because he's like, you know, is my wife okay? Like, is she not okay? Couldn't get in touch with my mom for like three days. Because oh, the whole God. city was on lockdown. Finally, the fourth day, family member came and said, hey, your wife just called. Everything is okay. You can head over to the hospital now. You have a baby boy. In that period of time, when he didn't know if my mom was okay or not, they had to take my mom and they had to put her in the basement away from like, because there was grenades going off outside, other stuff, shooting, and the army had taken over the hospital. And she gave birth to me in like in the basement with like one other nurse that was there. Wow. So in the, in the background of our child. family, what's that? You're a miracle child. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> lucky to be alive, lucky to be born. Um, but you know, my parents, their heavy emphasis was the only way that my parents, my dad got out of Kenya was because he had an MBA and was able to be sponsored to come over to the US to be here. So education was so central and that's the only life that they knew. That's the only way that they knew how to achieve success is that you have to go the traditional route. You have to go to school. You have to get this degree. And that's the only way forward. Now in our generation, in our day and age, how amazing that everything that we need to really create a business and do stuff is between our laptop and phone. If you have that, you can work anywhere in the world. And so we're so lucky that we have that now. And I think uh, that's the beauty and the appreciation that I have for modern day entrepreneurship when it comes to creating your goals, dreams, and visions in life. That's sick. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we're all, we're all um, children of immigrant parents, so yes. we, we feel you on that. We've so long equated you know, higher education and university with education, but education is so many layers. 
there's so many different ways that we can get educated. So it wasn't I was sitting on my couch, not doing anything. I was reading all night. I was reading self-development books. I was reading books on programming, on design, on e-commerce, on business. So when did we decide that school is the only way to get that education? Obviously, all we really want and hope for and wish for kids and our kids in the future is that they're self-driven. They lean into problem solving and they want to create a better place in the world and through whatever mechanism, whether they're an artist, an entrepreneur, a singer, or anything else they want to do. But as we all know, university is not the only way to get education. And we're all so in agreement. And it was funny that we had this conversation the other day about how these institutions like high school and even university, you're not even learning the main life skills of like having good credit and being able to do your taxes and mm. create a budget. Like all of these things are through self-teaching. From doing a minor stock of your social, I mean, this reading and learning seems to be working for you because you seem to be quite the fixer, Olivia Pope style, but for real life relationships and friendships. So can maybe we start by discussing why it becomes more difficult to make friends as we get older? Yeah, I'll even start off with this of like, why friends? Like, why is it important to have deep and meaningful friendships? And I always say it this way, the bigger your goals and dreams are in life, if you want to accomplish something amazing, the more that you need deep friendships that have your back. Nobody does it alone. Nobody does anything in life alone. Often the biggest leaps that we have in our career, the progress that we make in our business, any the big break that we get comes from our network. It comes from people picking us up and helping us when we've fallen down and get back on our feet and go and pursue the things that we want to go and pursue in life. So the first thing is that sometimes if people are not up to big goals and big dreams, they're okay with just okay friends. That's fine. I'm not here to tell you if it's working for you, then keep on doing it. But if you are up to big goals and big dreams in life, sometimes you also need, you need friends who also have big goals and big dreams. So that's why I think friendships are important. The other reason is that we're not living like we did a long time ago. We are more isolated than ever. And even people who have a lot of friendships report feeling lonely regularly. There's all these national loneliness surveys that happen in the US and Canada and the UK. The UK actually has a loneliness czar, somebody who's been put in charge of loneliness because it's a chronic epidemic over there, right? And extreme loneliness has been equated to smoking 10 to 15 cigarettes a day. So wow. loneliness is not, I'm a, I'm a, you know, super nerdy person who just plays video games or I'm just in my house and I have no friends at all. In fact, a lot of the people that report feeling lonely have friends, have family. So what is the definition of loneliness? The definition of loneliness is not feeling deeply understood, not feeling like you have other people in your life that see the world from your place or that can be there for you when you really need it. So a lot of people have friends and a lot of people have relationships that are there, but do they really feel like they're understood? Do they really feel like their friends are helping them with their goals and dreams in life? That's how you can have a lot of people, but then not feel deeply connected with what you're up to. So this is why I put so much emphasis on friendship and doing an inventory and a check on the friendships that we have because we can't actually reach where we want to go if we don't have those deep friendships for us right now. But how do you find them? Yes. <laughs> Is there a Facebook group for this? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure with the the dawn of, of Bumble business and all these different things that connect you with other people, uh, it's out there. 
people want people want it. But how do you suggest people go about finding new groups? Because I have this, we had this talk uh, the other day about legacy friends. So the people that have been in your life, you know, since you were in preschool and they're just, they're great friends, but they, maybe they haven't grown with you. Um, but after you're out of school, it's kind of hard to make friends. You, we don't communicate in the same way. Like even when you, even with dating, you don't go to a bar and a guy doesn't buy you a drink anymore. It's like, it's a very, very different world. So do you have any tips or pointers on how to make friends? Absolutely. <laughs> I think the core thing is that if you want to make new friends that are growth mindset based, right? Not fixed mindset. Fixed mindset is I see the world this way. It's exactly like this. I'm not a interested in improving. I know everything and I have it all figured out and I have my opinions on things. A growth mindset is that, wow, what's possible? What can we explore? What can we see? What can we do? How can we give back? We need right? That's a growth yes. mindset, right? So if you're looking to find a growth mindset, the first thing is you have to, I have two main tips for people. The first thing is you have to go to where people grow. Where do people grow? Go to where people grow. We're not meeting you at the bar. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. But if yeah. it's a primary place that people interact or if they just hope and dream that if they work in a regular corporate America gig, if they hope and dream that they're just going to make friends one day at work, you know, it's not necessarily guaranteed that that's where people are going to grow. Right. So where do people grow? It's as simple as maybe that yoga class, maybe going to salsa lessons. It's maybe asking another friend that you're cool with saying like, you know what? I've realized that making friends and intentional deep friendships is important to me. And I've realized that maybe some of these legacy friends I've grown up with, not right, not wrong. Well, sometimes wrong, but <laughs> we'll get to that later on. Not right, not wrong, but I just don't feel like that's where I'm at right now. I don't want to gossip all the time. I don't want to yeah. complain all the time. I don't want to watch fucking reality TV. Mm. So who else can I connect with that can help expand my mind? Sometimes it's as simple as asking for a recommendation. Do you know a friend that I can meet? Do you know somebody that I can hang out with? So if you go to where people grow, immediately you're going to start to be in community with other people who are already in a growth mindset. The second thing is this, when people tell me that it's like, how do I make friends? I don't even know how to get started and how do I actually create a better squad around mm -hmm. me that can be up to incredible things? I say, well, let's do this. If you look at your calendar in the last six months and make a list, just go month by month, you know, and each month go week by week. What was I doing that week? Who was I visiting? What was I seeing? Oh, I was invited to this party. Did I meet anybody interesting? Even if it was for two minutes, just somebody that intuition, gut intuition, I was like, I like their vibe. Mm. I like their vibe. This seems like a really interesting person. And it could have even been a short conversation. If you make a list, guaranteed, if you look back at the last two, three, four, five, six months, you're going to come up with one to two people who you met briefly that you never followed up with. Right. And if you make a list of those people and then go follow up on it, I think it's kind of like asking people on a friend date. It's like, hey, listen, I just got a good vibe hanging out with you. I'd love to continue the conversation. Can we meet up for coffee? That's it. That's literally what I do. And I moved away from home. And that's just that you're, when you're older, it's hard to make friends. And I think now that I, the older I get, the faster I know if I'm like, I like you. And I do it all the time. I'm like, do you want to be my friend? And people are like, yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. And I also think people appreciate the vulnerability of something like that because then they, they also feel good because who ever says that anymore? But it's such an effective thing. And it's actually worked out so well for me. Everyone's like, you're weird. I'm like, well, I have really cool friends and you want to be friends with my friends. So 
I don't know. Yeah, but also that's what kids do. You were saying it's so easy for kids. Kids literally knock on the door and like, hey, can Susie come out and play, right? Or does, do you want to be my friend? Do you want to hang out? I think when we leap, when we step into that because we know why, it's so key because we're also living in a different day and age where people are traveling more. People move more often from city to city. So you can't just rely on the friends that you had, the legacy friends growing up because sometimes they're not even around. Sometimes you move to a new city and you have a completely new group of people that you can be friends with, but you don't have your own old group that's there. And I think the other lesson is most people, if you ask them, do they have a friendship problem? They wouldn't even know what the hell you're talking about. It's only when life, when two things happen, that's when we realize we don't have the right type of friends. It's either something bad happens to us, something challenging, bad or challenging, and challenging could be you're a new mother. And you're the first in your friend group to have a kid. And now you're dealing with this thing that's so tough. It's so tough to raise a kid. And your friends that were there for you are no longer there anymore. Yeah. So that's challenging. And we need other people in our life to be able to talk about that with, to, to figure things out. And then sometimes it's when things are really good and you look up and you're like, who's around me to celebrate? And is it the right type of people that are there to help me celebrate? So I think that when both good and bad things happen. That's when we realize and we take inventory of like, wow, I don't know if I really have the friends that I want right now. Because the other aspect is this whole thing of you become the five, you become the average of the five people you spend mm -hmm. time with. If we look at that from like a financial level, that shit is true, right? There's so many things that are out there that show that when one person in the group starts doing well, it starts to now inspire the rest of the group that, hey, this is possible. This deal is possible. If all of your friends start writing books, guess what? You're probably going to write a book too. <laughs> yeah. If your friends are making money and have a podcast and have amazing ads and doing partnerships and other stuff, that's going to inspire you and show you what's possible. So in every area of your life, business, relationships, like intimate relationships, uh, dealing with stress, your health, there's actual data. There's a, one of the largest studies that's um, been done in the US is called the Framingham study. And it was the Framingham heart study where they tracked a group of, I believe it was uh, around under 20,000 people over the course of 30 years. And, and researchers and scientists have been parsing this data for quite some time now. So one of these group of researchers from Harvard looked at this data and they wanted to ask themselves a question. They said, is obesity, like medical obesity, is medical obesity a communicable disease? Which means that, is it contagious the way that the flu is contagious? Mm -hmm. So they looked at this Framingham data, they parsed it, and they did a meta-analysis. And one of the things that they found is that when one individual in the group started eating ultra-processed diet and was now starting to lean towards, let's say, like severe obesity, like medical obesity, their best friend, a few months later, would also see the largest spike in their levels. Wow. That is too. crazy. More so than spouse more so than a parent, more so than a child. So what that teaches us, it's the study is called the spread of obesity uh, in social networks. And I can give you guys a link if you want to share yes. with the podcast yes. listeners. Yes, so it shows us that friendships are the good habits and the bad habits are fucking contagious. Literally. So true. <laughs> and it's like the vice versa of when we're on like a health kick and we're all doing a cleanse or doing some sort of like initiative and we're in it together. We all feel that more, inspired and more success. community. Yeah. Like we, we in our office in September where we tend to, it's almost like our second new year. 
and um, half of the office will join us in in just being more mindful and and um, cutting sugar just after the summer of craziness. And I, I think it, it's so crazy how when you're doing it with a group of people, you commiserate together, you want to go to that class together, you want to do better together, you have someone you're accountable to, it makes so much more of a difference. And and we're like high fiving each other for our, for doing well. And and it's true. If it's within the office, if it's like if one person wants to order pizza, then everybody wants it, it and it goes into this cycle. This and vicious cycle. Yeah. Our friendships have more of an impact on our average daily level of health and happiness than almost anything else that's out there. Whew, and when let we that really shit sink in. Tap into that, that's when we're like it's not just like, oh, let me get better friends, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, actually, it's making us a better, more whole, more complete human being that is actually going towards every goal in our life. And when we're better, that's how we make the world better too. So you have an incredible podcast, Broken Brain, and there's so many questions I have for it. But but for all our listeners, I think the most interesting might be, how did you get started? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I got started, uh, well, it's, here's an interesting story. One day, I was in university uh, considering dropping out and uh, I had gone to a lecture recently. It was here in Los Angeles. I mostly grew up in the state of Delaware. I'd gone to a lecture recently where I had heard a speaker talk about if you have really bad skin or acne, then you might consider like taking dairy out of your diet because some people who have gut issues, dairy can be very inflammatory and can give them other challenges. So I was like, wow. So I went to this natural food store and there was a guy there that I didn't even know what to get or like what to look for. Like, okay, if I don't have dairy, like what the hell else do I drink, right? This is not like 2020 as now Uh, everybody's drinking almond milk. Like I'd never heard of almond milk. Like what the hell is that? I don't even think there was a lot of brands that were out there. So there was a guy at this uh, grocery store. Uh, He changed his name. It sounds funny. He he changed his name to Nature Love, right? But he grew up Daryl Hubbard, right? (laughs) Daryl Hubbard was was his actual name super like fit, like jacked uh, guy with like the whitest whites on his eyes. I remember looking at his eyes and just thinking like, this guy's healthy. Like just his eyes were just super white. And I remember asking him just like, what do I do and where do I get started? And like, what should I read? And he took time out of his schedule to like show me around and educate me and other stuff. And he was the first person on my journey and we became, and we still are very close friends. He was the first person that showed me this whole world of what I eventually got into, which is called functional medicine, which is that our genes are not set in stone. Our genes are, this whole world of uh, epigenetics, our genes can be turned on and off based on our lifestyle. Food can actually activate our healthy genes or can activate our unhealthy genes throughout there. So it was, again, a friend that kind of like took time out of his schedule to show me this this world, which ultimately, years later on, my own personal interest uh, in brain health turned into a podcast. So now, uh, you know, Broken Brain Podcast, it's one of the top brain podcasts in the world. We just crossed 10 million downloads. Congratulations. um, So good. And uh, it's just a great place to talk about all the different ways that our body impacts our brain, our lifestyle impacts our brain, our friendships and relationships impact our brain. For example, when we were talking about friendships earlier, one of the reasons that we like to take after our friends is because this whole phenomenon inside of us called in our brain called mirror neurons. We want to be liked by people. And when people who we look up to are doing something, we are more likely to want to mirror 
that. We want to mirror their neurons. Our, our neurons want to mirror what they're up to. We're more likely to try something if our friends are trying it, both for the good and for the worse. So I was very fascinated by these, and I'm not the expert in it. I just like to talk about it and quote a few studies here and there, but I like to ask good questions. So that's how it got started. I was like, you know what? Let me just start interviewing people. I think I speak for all of us when I say it's sometimes really hard to be like present. There's distractions, there's work, there's life, all that good stuff. What are three ways that you feel like people can actually show up in all aspects of our lives um, when the when your brain feels really overwhelmed with clutter? Yeah. So I'll give a couple things that are there. The first one is, I think it's the most important one, which is that we are harder on ourselves than we would be to any person that's out there. You know what? There's days where you're not going to show up. You're not going to be your best. And that's okay. That's part of life. But the bigger problem is when people start judging themselves for that and they get down on themselves and they're like, see again, another day where you like messed up and you did this. So I think the first thing is if you beat yourself up regularly, that's a good way to actually keep something going. When you beat yourself up, it's not like it gets you out of that habit any faster. In fact, it's more likely to perpetuate it because you constantly feel that you're not enough. You're not doing enough. So I know that's not the answer that people would typically give, but that's the first answer that I always give is that, can you be aware of how judgmental you are on yourself when things don't go well? Because if you're less judgmental, it's easier to pull yourself out of it. If you're more judgmental, then you're like, fuck, I wasted the whole week or my whole day is gone. I should have done this better. I should have done that. And then instead of just saying, okay, great, that happened. Let me move on. You end up just thinking about that over and over again. So the next thing in terms of showing up and being present is it's not just our own, is our mental health, but our, our body-mind connection. So we all know that if our brain gets stressed, we can get so stressed in our brain that we can drive our body stressed, right? We get an ulcer, like you can get a stress ulcer. That's a very common you know, medical thing that people know about out there. But what we know less about is that our body also impacts our brain. We know our brain can impact our body, but we know less about our body can impact our brain. And here's a perfect example. When you have brain fog and you can't be present, you can't focus on the things you want to do, could it be because you've had so many spikes in blood sugar that day? If we don't maintain a healthy blood sugar throughout the day, if we go to you know, Starbucks and get a crazy frappuccino, mochiato, this thing, that, <laughs> which has 25 grams of sugar, immediately we have that thing that spikes our blood sugar in the morning in addition to the, the caffeine spike that we get, and then we get a crash later on. Guess what? It's harder to be present when our blood sugar's off. It's harder to be kind when our blood sugar is off. It's harder to stay focused when our blood sugar is off. So just tapping into having a more balanced blood sugar throughout the day by thinking about how much added sugar that we consume in. And then most importantly, especially for women, and there's a lot of really interesting science on this, making sure that you get a little bit of fat and protein in the morning and not having a heavy carb-based breakfast. Because mm -hmm. when we have carbs and we just have like, even though it's super trendy to have that avocado toast or, you know, that peanut butter toast or whatever it might be, or just a bagel and coffee. Again, we're spiking our blood sugar in the morning and then we get that crash later on in the day. So our body is meant to, um, when we run on a little bit of fat, healthy fats that are out there, avocado, coconut oil, almond butter, whatever it might be, and we get a little bit of protein, that's actually brain food. And it makes it easier for us to stay focused and stay present throughout the day. And the last thing I'd say is that 
I call it a falling still practice. I had a mentor of mine, Serrano Kelly, that taught me this whole practice. You know, meditation isn't for everybody. Some people like it. But in between major activities in the day, if you could take just two minutes before switching things. So we're doing a podcast here. Before I came into this podcast, I came to say hi and check in on, on you guys, on you ladies. And then I went out and then I just took two minutes and I just centered myself. And centered myself meant I just closed my eyes. I pay attention to my breath and I notice my breath coming in. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I noticed my breath coming out. Nothing fancier than that and just doing that for two minutes. When we take even just two minutes in between major activities in the day, to not take the inertia and the momentum of where we were into the next thing. You know, I had like 15 meetings today. Three of them probably didn't go that great or were like bad news or dealing with employees or dealing with that. If we can pause and make sure that that momentum of that doesn't come into the next thing, that's how we can be more present. Because now I'm in a conversation with the three of you who are super excited to do this podcast and I'm super excited, but if I'm taking the baggage of other shit that, it was, that I was dealing with yeah. earlier in the day, then I'm not going to be as present in the conversation here. So those are three things that I think are a different take on how we can be a little bit more present on the things that matter to us. I love that. To tackle onto that, because you're throwing tips left, right, and center, and we all need this. How do you go about breaking your deconstructive patterns? that have become so embedded, like these unhealthy habits. Like you said, you repeat it over and over of saying like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but you continue doing it. Like what's the first step or a piece of advice that you have to break these deconstructive yeah. patterns? So in, in the world of neuroscience, they think of like these default patterns. They call it our default neural network. It's the brain, it's the way that our brain was wired in our early Childhood experiences have a lot to do with that. So our brain gets very good at doing certain things, even if those certain things are not good for us always. Imagine it's like going down a ski slope. If you go down a ski slope the exact same way each and every time, you know, two times a day, three times a day, 10 times a day, then you're going to start to carve a path. And then getting out of that path is going to be hard because you're Skis are going to get stuck. Same thing happens with our neural network in our mind. We, def we create a default pattern. So the first thing is to understand that, to not have the judgment on you, that sometimes the way that you do stuff, if somebody's more prone to complaining, is it you deciding to do that? Or did you grow up in a household where your parents were always complaining? Right. They, maybe they meant best, 
but that's just how they communicated their caring and their love and their whatever that it is. So when we understand that, now we can understand that the fastest way to change that is to actually change our regular reminders so that we can break out of those patterns. One of the ways to do that is to change who we surround ourselves with. When we start changing our environment, which is who we surround ourselves with, all of a sudden we have a different perspective on the world. If we go from hanging out with people who regularly complain and watch reality TV, nothing wrong with reality TV <laughs> at all, right? There's nothing actually, there's no judgment on it whatsoever. It's just, does that lead you to the results that you want to do? Or do you want to try something different? So when you start hanging out with people who have different conversations, that starts to change your default neural network. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's uh, um, uh, a researcher in this space, he says that one of the best ways to break our regular patterns is to start taking things that we do in our life uh, the same way each day and to actually do it a different way. So if you have, everybody has the side of the bed that they normally sleep on mm -hmm. and everybody has the side of the bed that they normally get off in the morning. Simple trick, change it to the opposite side. Just even doing simple things. When you go and brush your teeth, I'm right-handed. I always brush with my right hand. Change it to your left hand. When you take simple things that you do daily and you start using another part of your body, when you start using another part of doing it differently, you end up using another part of your brain. And when you do that with little stuff, you start doing that with bigger stuff mm -hmm. in your life. And that slowly starts to have you and help you break out of patterns. If you stay in the same pattern, if you stay in the same environment, you're going to get the same results. So that's why taking yourself out of that normal environment by looking at your friendship group is a super important part of that. So from your perspective, what's the first step in the right direction if you've just gotten out of a breakup, either friend or romantic relationship? Well, the first question I'd ask, let's say a good friend of mine came to me and said, you know, I just got out of this breakup. I would first say, well, okay, how are you doing? Mm. Are you happy you're out? Are you not happy you're out? You know, did you get broken up with? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, the first thing I would do is I would be checking in with, you know, how I feel about that. Uh, give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more to that scenario or personal life experience or, or you can make something up. Okay. So I, I got divorced five years ago and it was my choice. And that was kind of exciting, but at the same time, absolutely terrifying. And I didn't, within my friend group, I didn't really talk about my feelings or emotions. And now I needed support. And I didn't know who to turn to because I was always pretending like everything was okay. I think looking back at that, I went and then figured it out for myself and got therapy and, and really tried to invest time in myself to make myself a better person. Yeah. Um, but I wonder to people who are out there right now who have just recently gotten a divorce or are separating or want to maybe take that step but are afraid to do that because they might not have the support on the other side. What are some tips that you think could help them along the way to make those decisions to get out of toxic relationships? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I often think about this, there's this quote by this, uh, uh, coach in Silicon Valley who coaches all these CEOs at different companies. And he says, where have I been complicit in the things in my life that I say I don't want? Yes. Preach. So we always start first with ourselves. And you mentioned something as part of your experience mm -hmm. of getting divorced. You had always been saying that it was okay. Yes. So sometimes we think that there's no support around us, but sometimes there's no support around us because we've just been telling everybody that's all good. 
Nothing to look Facts. at over yes. here. Like, We're Facts. doing fucking amazing. We expect yeah. mind readers yeah. up yeah. in this. Yeah. So the first step that I always tell people is that how can we start telling the truth? Mm. And who can we go to to start telling the truth to? Do we have one friend? Do we have one person in our life that we can go and be for real honest with? You know, when I told you a few years ago that we were doing amazing and like, you know, our wedding was perfect and this, I actually cried myself to sleep that night. You know, who can we go to and start being genuinely real? Because even if they have no advice for us, just another human being actually hearing our truth is the first path to healing. So when we are not lying to ourselves, then that's when life unfolds for us. So I always start off with is that it's in the nature of human beings to lie to themselves. We lie to ourselves all the time. My favorite thing is to catch myself in the lie and say, you know what? Actually, that's not true. Here's what I really meant about it. And we lie for a lot of different reasons. We lie to get love. We lie to avoid pain. We lie because we're just unsure, right? We have fight, flight. And the other one sometimes is freeze. The other survival mechanism, we play dead. Mm -hmm. So we just don't address that area of our life that's not working out. We're just like, it doesn't exist. I'm just playing dead over here. (laughs) I'm not going to talk about it. So I always say the first step is who can you go be honest with? And again, coming back to friendships and connections, if there's not somebody, if you feel like the people in your life are there to judge you, the first step I'd say is that, you know, ask them, can I come and talk to you? You know, go to a friend and say, is there anything I can share about my life that would cause you not to love me after sharing it. Just think about that phrase for a second. Is there anything, uh, there's a buddy, Lewis Howes, who runs a School of Greatness podcast. I saw this and he had mentioned it to me and then I saw it on his documentary. He said he went to his parents because he had talked about a very traumatic event that he had gone through when he was younger. And he went to his mom and he went to his brother and his family because he wanted to talk about this thing that he'd been holding on to for years, which was that he was sexually molested as a kid and it shaped his entire life and kind of led him towards certain behaviors and let him away towards other ones. And he felt he could never talk about it. So whether it's a divorce or anything, it's like, go to the people in your life and ask them, is there anything that I could share with you that would cause you not to love me on the other end of sharing it? And then go be vulnerable with that person. Just getting it off your chest, you know, the truth shall set you free. We all know that phrase. Just getting it off your chest is the first path and the step towards healing. On the topic of friends, how do you go about losing a friendship? Like, how do you tell someone you're no longer serving me or this friendship isn't benefiting my life in any way? Yeah, it's a great question. How do you fire a friend, yeah, essentially? Yeah. You know, I think it's popular these days on the Instagram culture, especially. It's like, fire all the toxic people in your life and that sort of thing. You know, the challenge with that is that we realize that relationships, both intimate and friendships, are here for us to grow. So my only concern with people going in. Now, sometimes there's somebody in your life that's so that is hurting so much and wants to take out that hurt on other people that it truly requires you to love them from a distance. Listen, it's not benefiting me or you. I'm going to love you from a distance. That's just where I'm at right now. So sometimes we do have to set very strong boundaries with the people in our life because they're hurting that much that they don't know that they're drowning, but they're pulling you down in the process of it. Most other situations start off with this. Again, where have I been complicit in the things in my life that I say that I don't want, oftentimes friends do stuff, you know, do things, and we've been building up resentment for years. We never really just genuinely sat down in a loving way and said, listen, I know you have a busy schedule, but when you run an hour late each time we're supposed to hang out, it actually genuinely hurts my feelings, 
right? Instead of like berating them and saying, like, you're so selfish, you're so this, what would happen if we tapped into a little bit of vulnerability and said, hey, honestly, like I carve out this time and I I look forward to spending time with you and I'm excited to spend time with you. And when you're late, it genuinely hurts my feelings. Mm -hmm. You just share your own experience instead of making it about them. So I, I believe just looking at modern culture and, you know, ghosting and dating, there's also (laughs) ghosting in friendship too. Mm -hmm. People just don't bring it up. They don't address it. So the first step is that check in with yourself and say, have you been bringing things up? Have you brought something up in a kind, loving way? How would you want, if you were unaware of something that you were doing that was causing somebody annoyance or pain or frustration, how would you want somebody to bring it up with you and then go do that for the other person? And then if it's at a place where, let's say you have legacy friendships, things that have now moved on, I always say, first look at the buckets. Just because somebody is not your closest friend right now, doesn't mean that you can't have them in your life. But your life will be easier if you can have a beautiful and loving but direct conversation. Hey, I love you, but I just want to be super clear. Like, I don't want to hang out and go do this anymore. It's not fun for me, but I'd love to do more of this. You want to go hiking? You want to come to these meetups? You want to do that? But I'm not going to go rage with you on a Friday night. It's just not serving me. And I I love you enough to be direct with you because I still want to spend time with you. So those are a couple things that I think that can be useful for people when it comes to firing a friend in their life or repositioning their importance Mm -hmm. in your world. So I feel like stress is something that you cover and something that all of us have to deal with in like the whole world. My question to you is how do you navigate managing stress, especially during times where problems are existing um, for like weeks or months at a time when it's a consistent thing, whether it be at work or in our relationships or whatever the case is? So I took a trip to Argentina in um, in December and I was there and I was getting this tour of this like uh, vineyard that does everything like organic and biodynamic and everything like that. And the guy who was the winemaker there was sharing a really great analogy that I'd love to share here. He was like, our key here is that we want to have the right amount of stress to create the most perfect grape. Not enough stress, the grapes get really large and they have a lot of water content inside them, but the sweetness isn't there. The juice that creates a beautiful wine isn't there. You know, too much stress and the grapes become very shriveled and they end up dying earlier and you can't use them for wine. But the perfect amount of stress actually creates incredible wine. This was like a place that was voted one of the best vineyards in the world. And that classic analogy for winemaking is important for human beings because not all stress is bad. Some stress is actually good and it makes us a better human being. For example... We know that high-intensity workouts, working out, that's stress. That's stressful for the body. It's momentarily stressful, but it causes the body to say, wow, okay, I got to grow you know, the muscles, or I got to do this to actually be more capable in life because I never know the next time that I might have to go lift something heavy or go run fast for something. So there's different types of stress. So now that we know that that's the good type of stress that might be out there, the next thing that we're really, really looking for is what are the most common amounts of negative type of stress? I think the negative type of stress is what I would say is stuff that we hold onto that just loops in our head on replay. It's unresolved stress. There's no outlet for it. It's something that you don't end up talking about with your therapist. You don't talk about with your friends. You're not vulnerable. You're not honest with the people in your life. Your mind wants you to deal with the stress. And if you don't have a plan to deal with it in a positive way, it's going to say, hey, remember that thing I told you about? You got to deal with it. Hey, remember that thing? So 
most people are not suffering from stress. They're suffering from unresolved stress. The stress that is constantly knocking on the door saying, pay attention, you're working on this new business, but you're not making enough money and you got bills coming up. What's the plan? So if we don't sit down, listen to those thoughts, come up with an outlet, talk about it and say, okay, I can either address it right now or I can't address it right now, then our mind is going to do what it does best. Try to remind us about the situation because it's afraid of dying and dying alone. Mm -hmm. So every situation we go through, we have to look at it and say, is this real or is it not? Do I need to have just some healthier habits in my lifestyle, like working out or talking to people or being honest with someone to be able to address it? Or in this case, do I need to create a plan to resolve it? Then that way we can lean into healthy stress and then avoid a little bit more of this unhealthy stress that often is the main driver of anxiety in people's lives. Anxiety is just your brain saying, you know, you got to deal with this thing. And then sometimes... Okay, there's medical anxiety and there's medical depression and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day anxiety that people deal with in their life that often creates so much unhappiness. Most of that anxiety is just, we know that something is an issue, but we've not set up, a, we've not talked about it with anybody and we've not come up with a plan on how to address it. Even if that plan is there's nothing to do right now. We're so solution-based that I feel like a lot of times people don't actually address stuff because sometimes there is no solution right away. I yeah. think that's so insightful, what you just said. And sometimes the solution is just talking about it with other people. Right. Everybody needs one. I'm convinced, you know, I was on this uh, podcast with Ronnie Lott. He's a, a NFL Hall of Famer and, you know, played for the 49ers. And him and his uh, daughter, Haley, Haley Lott, have a podcast called Mind Games. And they were saying, you know, what's your one tip for people that are out there? And especially they were kind of gearing it towards men because that's kind of the world that... Ronnie came from football, you know, alpha type, that sort of thing. I was like, regardless of who you are, every person has to ask themselves now, do I have one person in my life that I could be honest with? And that doesn't mean that you need to get advice from them. Sometimes it's just, I call up my friends and I say, hey, listen, today was a tough day. Can you just hear me out? And guess what? Guys can do that too. <laughs> yes. Right? Women are naturally more gifted at doing that, right? Their brains are actually wired more for connection than men. And so that's why men have to work harder at it. But it's just, it's important for all fucking human beings. Yeah. Men, women, everybody, we all need to ask ourselves, do we have one person in our life that we can be honest with and say, you know what? I know on the outside, on my Instagram profile and on everything else, <laughs> things looks great, but here's the real shit that I'm dealing with right now. You touched on um, men, and I, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that um, because, as you said, our brains are wired differently, but I do feel a lot. I have a lot of guy friends and I know they come to me to talk about stuff and I might be the person that they reach out to, but maybe there's a lot of men out there that don't have that person to reach out to or don't even know where to begin. Can you give some tips um, to the guys out there that are listening, um, how they can start to talk about their feelings more with someone, with anyone? Yeah, I think the first thing is realizing that as the larger movement of female empowerment and this current state of the union of where it is here, I feel like the important part of that conversation is men realizing what society that they were often brought up in. And some of that society that they were brought up in is don't cry, be alpha, pursue everything. Like we've conditioned men to do things that aren't always in humanity's best interest. Right? And, and men are just as much of a victim of that. Uh, they have, you know, there's unique things that women go through, but men are brought up in this conditioning of like, 
Don't talk about your feelings. Don't do this. Don't cry. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. So first it's realizing that you were plugged into the matrix, mm -hmm. right? Every human being needs to talk about their feelings. Every person has times and situations in their life where they got to cry it out, right? And they got to feel like they're dealing with the pain of something. They're dealing with the emotions of something. So I think that it's interesting that you said that because sometimes I do see that it's easier for men to sometimes open up to women mm -hmm. because they would feel judged if they went to their, mm -hmm. you know, their local guy friends mm -hmm. that they have. Great. If that works, go do that. Just go talk to somebody. Who's somebody in your life that you can go to without judgment? Is it, you know, your pastor at your local church? Is it a therapist? Is it somebody, is it a friend of a friend? Is it a female in your life that you can go to and be honest with? So I think that once we realize that it's just important for men too, then we can start to make it a priority and we can actually seek it out. I don't think it's actually that hard to do it. The harder thing is realizing why we're not doing it. What's stopping us from doing it and saying that, no, I shouldn't be talking about this or I shouldn't have these feelings or I don't need to talk about it with someone. Once you get over that, the rest is simple. Now we would like to turn the conversation to sleep. So um, what are your secrets to a deeper, more restful sleep? Um, we obviously know the basics, but can you share about how like the true impact that sleep has on the brain and the body? Yeah. So one of the biggest ones that's come out in the research, there's a researcher, Dr. Sachin uh, Panda, who's down in San Diego. One of the things that he's been really credited and sort of highlighting is that just like our body has a circadian rhythm, all of our a lot of our organs have their own time clock. And depending on the time of day, they're more optimally designed to function at their best during those times. So what does that have to do with sleep? So what a lot of the research has shown is that just even eating late significantly impacts your sleep. And we've all seen that. Once you cross over your 30s and then you, then I'm 37. So once you hit 30, you start to notice a lot of things that are changing inside <laughs> of your body. And one of the things I think that people notice is that drinking, you know, as much as you used to significantly impacts the body. But another thing is that just even eating really late and then going to sleep impacts your sleep because on a very practical level, level, if your body's focused on digestion, digestion takes a lot of energy, right? We all know after Thanksgiving meal, like how tired, you know, we get or after a really big meal. Well, if your body is super focused on digestion, then it can't activate a very important function in the brain, which is called the glymphatic system. So our brain has its own detoxification system. It's called the glymphatic system. And it's a lymphatic system inside the brain. And that is a crucial portion of feeling deep rest. Because when our brain goes in, for a long time, scientists didn't even understand why do we sleep? What's a real biological reason that we sleep? We get it. We're tired. We have to sleep and we feel up we feel rested the next day. What well, turns out when we sleep, our body goes into deep DNA repair. So our DNA gets damaged during the day through stress, through pollution, through just living and being a human being. So our DNA gets uh, damaged. Then our brain actually needs little cells that go through it, which are like dump trucks to go and collect the garbage. Mm -hmm. And then our cells unload that garbage into those cells, and then we can get rid of it. That's all crucial part of deep and restful sleep. So the first thing is not eating really late because it prevents our body and our brain from doing what it needs to do at the optimal level. So ideally, you eat a little bit earlier on days that you can, and you don't eat anything within three hours of you going to bed. So that's the first tip. The next big tip that I'll put out there 
is turning, you know, we all know about screens and blue light and that's made it out there. What's not made it out there as much is that our Wi-Fi routers and our cell phones are putting off EMR, electromagnetic radiation. And there's a lot more research that's coming out about how the constant radiation that comes from electronic devices when we sleep also impacts our body's ability to go into deep rest and repair. So, you know, we still need a lot more research that's out there, but already we know, and there's been some studies that show like prolonged cell phone use right up to the brain can increase your chances for tumors on a lighter level turning off electronic devices or putting your uh, phone in airplane mode or at least not next to your head. I know some people that literally keep their phone under their pillow because that alarm is how they wake up at night. So it's on the cutting edge of research, but I think the way that we talk about blue lights and smoking and other things like that, eventually this is going to start to come out there that it's important to turn off these, um, these devices. The other thing I'd say is for anybody who struggles with anxiety and their mind being the monkey mind, at, at night before they sleep. Uh, I do a process that I was taught by a mentor called a mind dump. So a mind dump is that when you've turned off all your electronic devices and you put away your phone, you put away your computer, just leaving literally like 10 to eight minutes before bed, taking out a sheet of paper and just taking all the things that are on loop on your mind and just making a list of them that are there, right? So making a list. Oh, I forgot to take care of this. I didn't do this email. I didn't do that. Oh, what is this? Any random things. Sometimes the first night that you do it, it's kind of a long list that's there. And then taking that list and taking it physically out of your main room that you sleep in and then going and putting it away on your desk, in the kitchen, wherever else. And actually physically saying to yourself, whether you want to put your chest, you know, hand on your chest and just saying like, tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another day to address all that. Because again, our mind is always reminding us of what we need to do, and it's afraid that we're going to forget about it and then have to deal with the consequences of not dealing with those things. So just writing it down and saying tomorrow's another day is another way to step into the place of like, we've already handled that. And when your mind brings it up again, it's like, I know, it's on that list. We're good to go. So those are three things that I think that can help people when it goes to uh, achieving a better and deeper rest. Well, Drew, um, we will definitely be keeping up with your podcast. And friends can follow Drew on the gram at Drew Perowit. It's D-H-R-U-P-U-R-O-H-I-T. Thanks so much for listening. If you love this episode, you can follow us online at C-O-C-O-A-N-D-C-O-W-E. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It seriously helps and we would be so grateful. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.